on today's episode of Come Get a Sip. It's a huge summer for sports, and with Wimbledon and the Olympics right around the corner, we'll be breaking down all of the biggest stories heading into each event. So she brings just so much energy to TV, you know, to the sport. And I just, I love that kind of stuff. Just as a fan, you know, as an audience member, it's fun to watch. Plus, a certain so-called journalist with uncombed hair had a lot to say about Serena Williams the other week. And I have a lot to say back to him. Yeah, he ended up retweeting my response. I told him to go to the nearest CVS, buy a pick, and fix that, instead of speaking on tennis legends and icons who have done more for our community than him or his bloodline ever will. All of this and more today on Come Get a Sit. Welcome to a sports-themed episode ooh, of Come Get a Sip. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know why I said it like that. But anyways, to kick things off, no pun intended. I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. Anyways, let me just give it to you straight. To kick things off, we have a great conversation featuring Matt Dowell, an Emmy-nominated sportscaster and friend of mine from Tennis Twitter, a fellow Serena Williams fan and all of that. We had a great conversation about all of the biggest storylines heading into Wimbledon this week and the Olympics next month. So without further ado, we will dive into that conversation. We have Matt Dowell, um, as is the standard for all episodes. I will let the guests introduce themselves. So Matt, if you wanna just tell the audience a little bit about yourself, um, here you go. Hey, Norris, how are you? It's good to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. Um, my name's Matt. Um, I am a sports anchor reporter in Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, I've been a tennis fan my whole life and just die hard. Um, so, like, I'm pretty sure everyone, you know, that's part of this podcast and listening and everything, we all love the sport so much. So, uh, it's really cool to be here. I'm excited to talk about Wimbledon, which I'm super, super happy is back finally. Yes, me too. I'm so excited. Very excited. And also, um, Matt was recently nominated for an Emmy, so congratulations Thank on that. You. I know we didn't win, but it was it was really really cool uh, to be nominated, especially with my friends um, Mitch and Mike. So that that was really cool, and we didn't you know it was all virtual, but it was still cool just to hear them read our names. So that's that was kind of a wild experience. Great, and so yes, um, we're going to be doing a sports themed episode for today. Um, you know, there's a lot of one of the things that is most exciting for me, at least about the summertime, um, is all of the amazing sports events. You have the NBA finals, the Stanley Cup playoffs if you're into hockey, um, a bunch of baseball games, Wimbledon and the U.S. Open and tennis. Um, but one event that really gets the world excited every four years or in this case, every fifth year um, is the Olympics. Um, you know, it's an event that brings people together from all around the world. It's something that doesn't happen that often. And so it really gets people interested. Um, and we've already seen that interest starting to peak with the um, national trials. Recently, um, a certain runner from the U.S. caught the world's attention, a runner by the name of Shakari Richardson. She's originally from Dallas. She attended LSU Um and she blazed through the Olympic trials in the 100 meter dash. 
She won the final with a time of 10.86 seconds. She will be on the Olympic team. Um, and everyone was thinking, oh my gosh, she's going to be the favorite. And then Shelly Ann Fraser Price, the multi-time world champion and Olympic champion from Jamaica, set a new record um, and became the fastest woman alive with a time of 10.63 seconds. You know, as long as everybody stays healthy and qualifies through their heats of the Olympics, it will be Shakari versus Shelly Ann in the 100 meter final, which will be a great thing to watch. And then also we have Simone Biles just doing Simone Biles things, you know, setting amazing standards and then breaking them at the next event. Um, she is qualifying this weekend for her spot, which is pretty much all but guaranteed. But, you know, she has to go through the motions uh, on the Olympic team and it will be her second Olympics. Um, and so I'm definitely really excited to see her get to go to another Olympics and, you know, rack up a bunch of medals. Um, and so I think it's going to be a great Olympics. You know, it's not guaranteed 100 percent that it's going to even happen. Um, you know, obviously last year was canceled because of the pandemic and it's still kind of in jeopardy for this year. Um, but hopefully, you know, everything can go on, everything can go on safely because that's obviously the top priority. Um, so Matt, out of those events and any other event, um, what are you most excited to see at the Olympics this year? Oh, I just, I really love the whole event, you know, just the pageantry of everything. I just think it's a lot of fun. I think this year will be interesting to see like what the feel of the Olympics is, you know, just with the crowds, you know, and the pandemic still going on and how each country deals with it. I'm a huge, huge Simone fan. So I just think that she's unreal. I think the things that she does is just almost otherworldly. You know, she's doing all of these things that no one's ever done before, but she's like barely sweating, you know, like when she does it, it's insane. And I just right. think she's one of those athletes that is a true, like once in a lifetime athlete. And I just think, you know, with gymnastics, the lifespan is so short. I think most of us are assuming this will be it for her because most gymnasts don't even get a second, you know, Olympic opportunity. And so I just really want to take the time just when she is out there competing and doing what she does so well to just really take it in. Like this is a once in a lifetime athlete that we are watching and then you spoke about the the track. I, I love rivalries. I love personalities in sports. And Shakari has been like the breakout star of the last couple. So she brings just so much energy to TV, you know, to the sport. And I just I love that kind of stuff just as a fan, you know, as an audience member. It's fun to watch. So those two, the ones you pointed out are the two I'm looking forward to the most. I also love the swimming events. I don't I don't watch swimming a lot you know, throughout, but there's something about the Olympics that I just find really, really fun. So um, those are kind of the three, I think, sports that are most associated with the Summer Olympics. And so those are definitely the ones I'm looking forward to. But Simone is definitely, to me, going to be probably the face of this Olympic Games. And I'm excited to see what she does. And I'll be shocked. I think everyone will be shocked if she does not, you know, win everything <laughs> that she can possibly win. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely excited to... Um... For all those events, also obviously the tennis, um, the basketball, you know, um, they're not like dominant quite in the same way that Simone is just because Simone is so dominant. But, you know, we can expect the USA um, to do well on both sides. Yeah. And, you know, and, we talk about the face of the Olympics. You know, I think a lot of eyes will be on Naomi Osaka. You know, talk about the tennis event because of it being in Tokyo and, and, and you know, a lot of the Japanese uh, fans are going to be rooting for her and just with everything that she's been going through recently I think that's going to bring even more attention to her so I'm also very interested you know she said when she pulled out of Wimbledon that she 
is planning to be ready for the Olympics. So I'm really interested to see how Naomi pulls up and, you know, what she's like, you know, how she plays and, uh, you know, what her, if, she, if she'll address the press, you know, I think there's a lot of question marks surrounding her and just with it being in Tokyo, I think the attention around her is going to be very, very high. Definitely, definitely. Um, and then at the same time, I think it, it's also as high as, as high as the attention will be. I think it's also like a unique opportunity for her to fly under the radar a little bit. Obviously she'll be the star because, um, she is like the biggest Japanese athlete, um, not just right now, but of all time. Um, but, um, you know, with all the other sports going on, it might be a chance for her to, you know, sign up, kind of ease her way back into tennis before the rest of the summer's events. Yeah, for sure. Cause I think, you know, while tennis is part of the Olympics, it's not really the focus of the Olympics, you know, the gymnastics track and swimming, I think are the big ones. So I, I agree with that. I think that she will have a lot of attention, but you know, I don't think the tennis event gets the same coverage as, you know, the slams and stuff like that get. Right. Definitely. So yeah, the Olympics start on July 23rd. You know, again, hopefully they will go on without any hiccups. Um, but yeah, very excited for that. Next, we'll be getting into the event that starts this week, um, which is Wimbledon, the grass court tennis major, um, which didn't happen last year because of the pandemic for the first time in you know a very long time. <laughs> um, but it's back this year, um, and the field is very different from it, um, what it was in 2019 um, in terms of the composition, in terms of the seeds. You know, that's kind of been the story of the women's store, at least for the past, like four or five years, just the constant changing of the guard. Um, and so, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see uh, which seeds hold up through the first four rounds. You know, I was looking at the list of projected quarterfinalists on the women's side um, based on the top eight seeds. Um, and Serena was really the only one who's had any sort of success at the tournament. Um, and so it's going to be really interesting to see how everybody else holds up. Um, but looking at the women's draw, um, does anything in particular stand out to you, Matt? Any people you think can go far um, that we might not expect or any big seeds that you might expect to have like tough matchups early on? It's crazy because I think, you know, the French Open was wild, you know, like there's just so many upsets. I don't think anybody could have really predicted how that would shake out. And I really would not be surprised if we see something similar to that at this tournament, because I think actually the women's draw is very balanced with the way the seeds are placed. But like you said, the, a lot of the top seeds are young and they just haven't played on grass that much. And they didn't look that great in the warm up events. And a lot of those same people have very difficult opening rounds. You know, they, their right. draws that they're placing are very, very tough. I look at someone like Andreescu, who's got to play Elise Cornet in the first round. She just Oof. lost to her. Sabalenka, I'm not completely sold on her at the major level. And she didn't look that impressive in the warm-up events. I look at Iga Svitek, who's got a really tough opening round against a very classically tricky opponent. And so there's a lot, there's just a lot of question marks. You look at Ash Barty, who was injured, you know, in Paris. What is she going to look like? And I think her draw is pretty brutal, to be honest with you. Um, so I just think, I think with the women's draw, you guys got to take it literally one round at a time because we could start one day with a bunch of people and by the end of it, they are all gone. So, right. but I think that they are a lot of really, really interesting first round matchups. And I also think the grass tends to reward the experienced players, like you were talking about, the ones who have played on it, maybe not all the time, but a lot of times, you know, you don't have the crazy random winners like the French Open does. You know, a lot of times Wimbledon considers a random winner, someone like Marion Bartley, who 
had really had a lot of success on grass, you know, before she right. won Wimbledon, she'd been to a final, she beat Serena there, you know, she'd been to the later rounds a few times. You don't get a lot of those just kind of out of nowhere winners a lot on, uh, on the grass. So I'm looking at people like Serena, like Muguruza, you know, some Kerber even, you know, she's had a great week. Kvitova, who really hasn't performed that well at Wimbledon in the past few years, but is always dangerous on grass. So it's those types of players that I expect to go far. But to be honest with you, players like Andreescu, Igor Vitek, I won't be surprised if they're gone by Manic Monday. Right, definitely. Um, I feel, in terms of the first round, I feel kind of bad for Sloan in particular. Yeah. Because um, she drew Kvitova, um, who obviously has won major, uh, Wimbledon twice. And, you know, Sloan has been playing pretty well ever since the uh, clay court season. Um, and so I feel definitely kind of bad for her. Um, you know, Carla Suarez Navarro is going to be her last Wimbledon. Um, and she's facing, facing, and she's facing Ash Barty in the first round. Um, and so, like you said, there's definitely some really interesting first round matches. Also Kerber, um, for some reason is peaking right in time for the tournament (laughs) and right in time for a potential third round match against Serena, a rematch of their, um, 2019, uh, 2018 Wimbledon final, as well as their 2016 Wimbledon final. Um, so that's going to be interesting to see how that sort of shapes up. You wonder how much Kerber, you know, what will her, how much will she have left in the tank, you know, next week, right. she put a lot of energy into the winning this tournament. It was in Germany, you know, her home fans were there to support her. It's a quick turnaround to do that and come back and play your opening round on Tuesday. So I'm interested to see, I mean, she's a very experienced veteran, you know, so I know she knows what she's doing, but I'm interested to see what her more mentally, maybe than anything, cause she's in very good shape. So I'm interested to see. Just what she looks like on Tuesday after a very, very emotionally, you know, pretty taxing week. It's going to be interesting to see if that matchup happens, um, how Serena handles it. Because one thing we know about Serena, she hates to lose to anyone once, but it's really rare for her to lose to someone twice in a row. And that's something we've even seen with Kerber, you know, with her losing the 2016 Australian Open final to her and then uh, beating her back at Wimbledon later that year. Um, and so it's definitely going to be interesting to see that matchup and how Serena handles it. And then if Serena gets through that, she might have a fourth round match against Coco Goff, um, which obviously would get you know all the hype that the Coco and Venus match got a couple years ago and more. Um, and so that would be interesting to see as well. Um, and so, yeah, I think, like you said, grass really does re- reward um, the past champions and the people who know how to play on grass. Um, And so I think as long as Serena can, you know, manage the mental side of it, the nerves and everything, she definitely has um, a great chance to, you know, get far and, you know, finally win this first major back from um, her maternity leave. I think with I think with everyone, you know, especially with the women's draw, it's kind of the opposite with the guys, because with the guys, it's Novak versus the world, you know, and then the women's, it just feels like it's the world, you know, like anybody can win. And I think a lot of people are approaching it that way. And I think even with Serena, you know, just with how little she's played recently and with the results, I just think with everyone, it's literally one match, one day, one round at a time. You know, I just, that's why it's hard for me. It didn't used to be that way. You know, we could like preview some of these later rounds, but I just, right now with the way the women's game is, I don't think you can really look that far ahead because we do that a lot. And then majority of them don't happen. You know, so even Serena (laughs) Kerber, you know, you think third round, okay, two past champions, Will probably happen but you just don't know you, you just right. don't know anymore and so 
with Serena, you know, I think right now it's about Sasanovich, you know, and trying to just get through that. And right. I think the first week, especially for the Williams sisters, usually the first week of Wimbledon has been a little bit more tricky, you know, than the second week. Yeah. Once they kind of get past that third round and get go deep, a lot of times you can bet on them to get to that final, you know, or win the whole thing. So I think for Serena, it's just, it's one match at a time. And I think for everyone right now, it's one match at a time, especially because last year they didn't have the tournament, you know, so everyone's kind of playing catch up on the surface. Definitely, definitely. So it's going to be really interesting to see. Um, and you had mentioned that the men's side is kind of the complete opposite story. Um, and it definitely is, um, you know, Djokovic has just been on an amazing run, you know, these past couple of years at the major, um, and he's picked it up this year, like, you know, just, whew. So it's going to be interesting with Nadal being out of the tournament. Um, now it's really, you know, Djokovic and then like much further down, um, in terms of, um, you know, people giving them chances, uh, Federer, and then again, much further down the rest of the field. Um, and so, I know this might be kind of a useless exercise. We'll see in a couple of weeks with the results. Um, but if you had to pick one player from the field who you think um, could potentially uh, take this from Djokovic, well, not take it from him, but, you know, beat him or at least win the major, um, who would you say? Oh, man, I don't know if I have an answer for that. That's a hard question because... I just, I, I just think it's going to take a lot. You know, I just think it's going to take a special performance by somebody to take him down. And because he just doesn't ever look like fatigued ever, you know, like, it's just crazy. Like mentally, physically, he just always seems to be on even, you know, this past week, he played doubles in Mallorca, which I actually liked that idea, you know, to, to get some, uh, your feet on the grass. And, but I just, I just don't know. I mean, even fed, um, you know, is coming into this. I didn't think he looked that great in Halla, you know, and, you know, he didn't look great against Felix. And even he, I think, is a question mark. And then City Pass, you know, I'm wondering how will he turn up? You know, a lot of times we've seen people come from Paris and have just a complete letdown, you know, because it's a lot. It's very fast to go from one major to the next. Right. And so and he's got a tough opener against Francis, you know. So um, I'm interested to see what he looks like in round one. Medvedev is always fun to watch and always kind of <laughs> a question mark. You don't know what you're going to get with him. He just won a tournament. He looks good. But, you know, he's on the opposite side of the draw. So I don't know if you can really, like, pick him right now to be the one to take him down. I just – it's a hard, hard question. You know, and sometimes I think, is it going to be like what it was a couple years ago? What was it, 2016 when Sam Query beat him? Right. Um, you know, if it's going to be one of those kind of random out of nowhere, you know, early round upsets that happens. But I, I don't know if I can give a solid answer for that because Novak is just – He's just so good, you know, and he is just always ready. And all it just seems like, I don't know, even when City Pass was up two sets to love, you know, I mean, I don't know if anyone really thought it was over, you know, at that point. Right. Um, so it's just, it's hard. But if I had to go with Novak or the world, I'm going with Novak right now. <laughs> right. Yeah, that French Open final, like, I turned it off after CT Pass went up the first two sets. Because I was like, Djokovic is probably going to come back, honestly. But, like, I'm really tired. And then, surely enough, I woke up and he was up in the fifth set. So, <laughs> Yeah, know. so you knew, you, were, you knew what you were talking about. Man. Right. <laughs> um, and even with the French, it was interesting to see how with each match, um, the opponent was giving Djokovic, you know, a harder and harder time. Um, but each time, Djokovic just found a way to push through it. Um, and, you know, you think back to the 2019 Wimbledon final um, against Federer 
when you know Federer had two match points um, and Djokovic fought both of them off, won the tournament, um, you have to wonder at a certain point, like if you're the rest of the field and you're seeing like time and time again Djokovic on the brink of defeat and finding a way to come back, um, even if you haven't played him yet um, within like all those comebacks, like how much does that play in your mind knowing that even if you get to match point, it's still not over, like especially with Djokovic. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see if any of the players can break through that um, because I think the the most impressive feat would be obviously to beat him and then to win the major. Um, and that's something even with team winning the U.S. Open, we didn't see team beating any of the big three. Um, and so, you know, I've been waiting for years. I feel like we might be waiting for <laughs> several more years to see who can beat one of the big three and then also capitalize and win the major. Um, you know, it might not happen at Wimbledon. It might not happen at the U.S. Open, but you feel like it has to happen eventually. So we'll see. Yeah, I know. Sometimes it feels like that day will never come. I feel like we've been <laughs> talking about this in the tennis world for like years, you know, about who will take down the big three. Right. Um, so we'll see what happens. But obviously, no Nadal. I think Federer, I think one, I think the first week is going to be huge for him, you know, just to see what he looks like. Being get to the fourth round. Then let's see what happens. But to talk about him winning the tournament right now, I don't know if that's realistic. I'm also really excited to see Andy Murray return. I know he's playing yes. on center court on Monday. Um, and so you don't know how much longer, you know, Andy will be out there. And so I think he's always most associated with Wimbledon. And so I'm just – it's kind of like Simone with the Olympics. I kind of want to cherish watching Murray while we can because you just don't know how much longer his body will hold up and how many more times he'll play on center court. So on Monday I'm definitely going to – Definitely going to get my snacks and just enjoy watching Andy. Yeah, definitely. Um, and same with Venus. You know, Venus is going to be playing in the singles. And then she's also going to be playing mixed doubles with Nick Kyrgios, um, which was a huge surprise. Um, but that will be a very exciting pairing. Um, you know, and we'll see um, how far they can go. Uh, in 2019, we saw with Serena and Murray um, how they really captivated, you know, the center court audience. Um, with some of their matches. So it'll be interesting to see if Venus and Nick can sort of get into a rhythm with each other and go far. I'm so excited for it. Like, I'm so excited. When I saw <laughs> that announcement, I was like, yes. And I'm also very excited just for Nick to be back, you know, and playing because he has been absent for most of the pandemic time. And I just think I've always, I just think he's good for the game, you know, because he's just a great, like I said before, I love personalities in sports. And so do I agree with everything he does? No, but I also think that he's exciting, you know, and entertaining. And I think he's great for the sport. And I also think that's going to be a great pairing because I think he's going to be a great doubles player. I, I know he plays doubles pretty frequently, I think. I don't keep up with that, uh, like his results in doubles that much. But, you know, we know Venus's pedig pedigree with doubles. And I think he's going to be great. I think they're going to be fun to watch together. And I know years ago, Venus said that he was her dream mixed doubles partner. So I think it's going to be fun. And I think people are going to flock to watch those matches. You know, I just, I can't wait to watch them. I think they got a good chance maybe to win the whole thing. Who knows? We'll see what happens. Yeah, definitely. That's going to be so exciting. Um, poor Francis. I was just thinking about that. Like, it's just, he's been playing really well on grass too. And then to draw, it's just so tough. To draw Pass in the first round, like, you know, obviously, like you said, Pass could have a letdown from the French Open, um, but that's, that's such a tough draw. And I feel like he's always getting those tough draws, but, you know, what can you do? 
Yeah, it's tough. But you, like you said, I mean, Sitsipas hasn't played, you know, a warm-up or, or anything, and it's a quick turnaround. He's also dealing with some personal, you know, loss with his grandma dying. And right. so it's been a very, I think, mentally and emotionally challenging couple of weeks for Stefanos. And so if you are Francis, you know, and, you know, the court one, it'll be the grass will be green as ever. You know, no one's played on it. So you never know. Anything can happen. And a lot of times these first couple of days of Wimbledon, there's always maybe a shock or two because the grass is so green. Um, so you never know, you know, if there's a time to beat him, why not now? Right. Yeah. So we'll see, you know, um, Wimbledon starts on Monday and it's going to be a very exciting tournament. You know, again, the first time since 2019. Um, so I'm definitely very excited to watch. And I know we all are. Um, I'm not going to ask who your picks are to win um, because it's, you know, it's such a um, such a rocky field right now. Um, and also, I don't want any of us to choose Serena and then somehow jinx it. So um, <laughs> instead, I will ask um, if you have uh, three players to watch. Um in each side of the draw, um, the men's draw and the women's draw, um, who would those players be? Ooh, okay. Like the, my top three or just any three to watch? Um, just like any three to watch, you think, you know, they either you think they could go far, win the tournament, or you think there's someone who might end up uh, tumbling out pretty early. Ooh, okay. For the guys... I'll say I'll say Djokovic at the top just because he's the favorite and he's halfway to a calendar slam. And I'm just wondering when that conversation will begin, you know, because, yeah. you know, Wimbledon's usually after you win the first two, usually now is when they start talking about it. Um, number two, I'm going to say I'm going to put Nick Kyrgios in there because I think a lot of people are going to be uh, curious to see how he looks when he comes back. And so I'm very curious. So I'll put him as my number two. And then three... I actually say the guy that Nick Kyrgios is playing in the first round, which is Umber, because he looked really good in these warm-up events. And so he could be a dangerous opponent for some people. So that's actually right. one of my like go-to first-round matchups is the, that battle between Kyrgios and him. And so I'm looking forward to that. For the women, I will say... Ooh, I'm going to say Andreescu will be my top because I think she has a big chance to lose in the first round because I think she's got a tough opener against Cornet, which we already talked about. So I think she's one to watch because I'm interested. She's struggling a bit, you know, right now, and she doesn't have a lot of experience on grass. So I think that's a first round upset alert right from the get go. Um, another one to watch. I mean, I want to say Serena, but I feel like Serena is the obvious one, you know, because everyone's going to be watching her. So I right. want to pick somebody different. Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Muguruza because I feel like she's one that just kind of turns up. Even <laughs> though she's had a great year so far, so I don't know. I don't. I don't want to say out of nowhere. And she likes Wimbledon a lot, so I think if she kind of gets on a roll, and she's kind of the same, if she kind of gets through those first few rounds, and she's actually in Venus's section. I think they are in the same third, you know, the same third round section. So if she can get momentum going, I think she's very dangerous uh, at this event specifically. And then I'm going to say, ooh. you know what? I'm going to say Ash Barty, and here's why. Because she's number one in the world. We hear a lot about how good and how much she loves grass. 
However, she hasn't really had a big Wimbledon result yet. And I also think that she has pressure to perform at the slams because since she won the French Open, she hasn't really done that. You know, I mean, she had right. a couple of good results at the Australian, but we saw the kind of the pressure get to her there. And then we saw her withdraw from Paris. And, you know, she's been number one for a minute now. So I think this is a big tournament to kind of for her to kind of prove that ranking on the biggest stage, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's opening center court on Tuesday against Carla. So right away, she's kind of got that spotlight on her. So I'm going to say she's my number thir- number three to watch because if she goes out early, then I think she's going to get some criticism about her play, you know, as a top seed in the slams. Because I feel like she needs another deep run with a lot of the other top players there. Those are some great picks. Um, Ooh, that I was hard. Was, I, know you I, know. I had to think about that. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 there's a lot of things to watch. Um, so bring it down to just three is definitely hard. Um, you mentioned uh, Muguruza, and I hope that Venus. It's gonna be tough, but I hope that Venus can uh, end up playing her and end up beating her. Um, not to show my bias, but you know that 2017 Wimbledon final still hurts to this day. Um, and so any bit of you know resolution on that would be great. Um, <laughs> And then I guess my three players to watch on the women's side would be uh, Serena. I'm going to go ahead with the obvious choice. Um, Wimbledon has always kind of been like a reset tournament for her, um, especially in the past decade. Um, and so I think it'll be, um, I'll definitely be watching to see, you know, she's had uh, the fourth round exit at the French. Um, and then, you know, she hasn't made a final in a, uh, at a major in a couple of years. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see if she can uh, reset at Wimbledon and get to the final again. Um, I think also I'll be interested to watch Coco, um, you know, back at the site where she first really um, introduced herself to a lot of the world by beating, beating Venus and then making um, it to the fourth round. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see if she can duplicate that result and then potentially set up that match with Serena, um, which would be that would be on Manic Monday. That would truly be Manic Monday. Um, and then the third person I would say that I would want to watch um, would probably be, hmm, I would say um, Carolina Pliskova um, because I feel like her and Svitolina out of all the top players and Sabalenka, but Sabalenka is a little younger, um, have consistently underperformed at the majors, um, especially compared to the results on the tour. Um, and I feel like um, a lot of people have started to, you know, um, accept the idea that Pliskova might never <laughs> make a like a, a slam winning run. Um, but, you know, with this tournament being the first Wimbledon in two years um, and everything going on with every player, um, it'll be interesting to see if she can maybe start to capitalize on some of these chances. Um, and then on the men's side, definitely Djokovic, uh, definitely Federer. And then I'm going to say uh, Berrettini. Um, you know, I, I've been following him for a while for a variety of reasons. Um, <laughs> but um, I'm definitely excited to see um, how far he can go. Um, he had great results at the French um, until he ran into Djokovic. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see um, if he can have great results at Wimbledon as well.
So yeah, it's going to be a great tournament. Once again, Wimbledon starts on Monday. And if you are in the U.S., you can watch it on ESPN. Um, so thank you, Matt, for being here. Thanks, Norris. I appreciate the invite. And those were good picks. I forgot about Berrettini because he won Queens Club. And so he is one to watch. That was a good, that was a good choice. Yeah, I, I like Berrettini a lot. Um, and I like, I like his attitude on the court. He really fights. Um, and so definitely I'll be excited to see him uh, at Wimbledon. So yeah, thank you. And thank you for everybody for tuning in. Um, it's going to be an exciting tournament, an exciting summer of sports. Um, and yeah. And now an encore clip from the previous episode with Jahari Shelton. Um, it's up to you, host. Oh, let's go to Touray because I really want to get downloaded on this. Oh, gosh. Okay. I really want to understand. Okay, so this next situation, let me try to keep myself together for this one. Because if you know me, you know I do not play about Serena Williams. Okay? Ever. Like, don't ever try to talk about her sideways in front of me. But that's what Touray did. Touray, the... um. Apparently, he's a writer. Apparently, he's a cultural critic. Um, apparently, he has a podcast, too. Um, but I should try to get on it. Huh? I should try to get on it. Oh, please. He probably could use the views. <laughs> but anyways. Um, so, yeah. The situation with Tere. Tere reviewed a book that was recently written about Serena. Um, and... Let me read you a quote from what he said. Okay. Let me pull out the quote. Because he's such a bum. Bum, biddy, dum, bum, bum, bum. You a bum, diddy, bum, bum. I hope I can access it because you know he blocked me. Yeah, because you were, you were going in. That's all, But that that's what happened when I had finally caught up to that's what you were doing. Um... It couldn't show his anymore. I don't know why. I couldn't access what he was saying anymore. It was only showing me what you were saying. So I was like, well, what happened here? Why is Norris uh, fighting with the blue checks? He said, and I quote, Is being political in the political as personal sense enough when black people are dying at the hands of the police? It is disappointing to see Serena remain quiet in a world where Colin Kaepernick and LeBron James and Megan Rapinoe and Maya Moore and Naomi Osaka are using their platforms to try to make the world better. And then he went on to say, Serena may be fearsome on the court, but her apolitical nature means she's not going to challenge white supremacy in ways that make, her, make fans feel uncomfortable while her personal triumph gives him a chance to feel good about rooting for a black woman who's risen up from Compton. Okay, so then someone responded, many people responded and called him out for how just completely ahistorical um, that tweet was in terms of calling Serena apolitical and saying she never takes a stand in the way that other athletes do, um, lest we forget the fact that she, boy she and Venus boycotted the Indian Wells Tennis Tournament for well over a decade because of the racist treatment that they received there. Um, Serena receiving that treatment as a teenager. We could talk about all the other tournaments that treated Serena some kind of way and the ways that Serena stood up for not just herself and Venus, but for 
every other player on tour, Naomi Osaka um, included in that, and so many others. Um, so someone called that out, and Tere responded by saying, boycotting a tournament because people there were racist towards her isn't quite on the level of what Kaepernick and Osaka and Maya Moore and LeBron have done. Imagine saying that. Imagine saying that. Imagine saying that Serena has not done what they have done. When Serena has, through her advocacy and through what she pushed through on the court, made it possible for Naomi to do what she does. But I just I just think that, you know, I think that what frustrates me is that so often people use it's it it just shows that people really don't care about any of these people like they will use what serena does to try and bash naomi they will use what naomi does to try and bash serena it's just a constant back and forth like last month when naomi withdrew from the french open uh to take care of her mental health and after you know her initial statement about wanting to skip press became like a worldwide trending topic um, people were criticizing her. People were saying Serena would never do that. And then a couple weeks later, now people are saying, oh, well, Serena, why don't you speak up? Naomi would never do that. It's just so ridiculous. And so I responded as I had to, because again, I don't play about Serena. And he ended up retweeting my response. But this is, I basically told him that he needed to worry less about picking at Serena and more about picking at his hair that is not seen near a comb or a brush, or a pick in over 10 years by the looks of it. Okay, I saw someone call him a great value, Eric Benet, and I agree with that. He ended up retweeting my response. I told him to go to the nearest CVS, buy a pick, and fix that, instead of speaking on tennis legends and icons who have done more for our community than him or his bloodline ever will. These people really don't know what they're talking about. They love to discredit black women in particular after they have done stuff, not just to help people on the court, athletes on the court, but to help all of us, to make the world better for all of us. And this is how you thank her, Tere, really? And what's worse is the fact that a couple hours later, he was tweeting every two hours about this podcast that, as I said, he has. It's just, I hate the way that people, and I hate that I contributed to it by responding, but I hate the way that people drum up controversy to try and promote their work. Well, what did I just tell you, Norris? (laughs) Right. <laughs> Sometimes the conflict, the controversy is the image. And right. it is the driver of the image. It is the the engine, right, to get the image going and the revenue up. Right. Even though I don't I don't know what revenue he's making from the podcast unless he has Child. like ads. I don't know. Whatever. Please. That's not my business. At the end of the day, I'm not even gonna tell y'all the name of the podcast. Because I am not going to promote his work. Don't listen to it. I'm going to tell y'all now, don't listen to it. Don't give him any streams, any coins. Don't follow him. Unfollow him if you do. He is rude. He is disrespectful. And he has no class or courtesy. Okay? And that's me putting it nicely. Since I'm on a public platform. Anyways, enough of Tere and his uh, disastrous tweets. Yeah, I mean, well, wait. Wait, hold on. I want to say something about this, actually, real quick. Because, and I'm not even going to t- deconstruct this from the, the the standpoint of being a Serena stan, because I'm not. I don't really watch tennis. Not I don't really. I don't watch tennis, period. The closest I get to tennis is um, Tiger Woods when he was in that accident and people were making memes about his legs. That's the closest I ever get to tennis. That's golf. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> well, that, you just Wait. made your point. 
You just made your point. (laughs) (laughs) Please. (laughs) (laughs) That that is that that is I, that I don't is even know the what highlight. That. That's, that, that is the highlight. That is the highlight. <laughs> what do you mean, John? That's golf. <laughs> uh, anyway, that moment is gonna make this episode if it's still in. Come get a sip is hosted and produced by Norris Johnson. Today's guests were Matt Dowell and Jahari Shelton. The theme music for the show was written and produced by Norris Johnson. Thanks for joining us and see you next time.